You're listening to the Small Moves Podcast. Small steps for big progress. With your host, Jason Hertzberger. Your next step starts now. This is episode 11 of the Small Moves Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Hertzberger, and today is an exciting day for me. Today is the first day of the new format of the show where we are going to be releasing a twice-weekly show from this point forward. The last episode was this past Tuesday, which has been the once-weekly day that I've had in place since starting the show, and now we are expanding to a twice-a-week format, Tuesdays and Fridays. Today, I bring you... Jacob Ayers. Jacob is a real estate investor based in Houston, Texas, which has had a little bit of interestingness with its, uh, let's just call it weather patterns over the last few months. Um, as I'm sure you are all, are all aware with our friendly friend, Mr. Harvey, that decided to pay a visit. We talk a little bit about that and how it has affected the local economy as well as the real estate investment market specifically, which is what Jacob's specialty is. Um, he is also the host of his own podcast, which I'm going to link to in the show notes of the page, which is how he and I first came across each other. Us podcasters tend to sort of run in the same circles, so that's how the two of us came to know each other. And uh, he's really a fascinating guy. He is pretty young for a real estate investor to at his level of success, shall I say. Um, so he was re- he's really got a great perspective on how and when one should start getting involved with investing for their future, whether it be real estate investments or otherwise. He just has a really great take on that and just a really great perspective that I think is sorely needed uh, for people that are attempting possibly without the greatest success in the world, attempting to prepare financially for their futures. I had a great conversation with Jacob. He's really got a good take on things, and I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. If you have any comments about the interview, please log on to the community Facebook page at smallmoves.co forward slash community. That'll take you to the Facebook page and let me know what you think. Otherwise, I won't hold you up. Without further ado, here is Jacob Ayers. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to the Small Moves Podcast, small steps for big progress. Let's prepare to ignite. Hey, Jacob, welcome to the show. Hey, Jason, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. Um, for I, I gave the audience a little bit of an idea of who you are during the, inter, during the intro to the show, but if you could just go into a little bit more detail, um, you've, been, you've been a real estate investor for a little while now, which you know, be, still, be, still being in your late 20s, that's you know, more than a lot of people can say. Can you give people a little bit of a background on you, sort of how you got into it and even before you got into it, like kind of what, what started taking you in that direction? Yeah, Jason. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on first off. And yeah, so a little bit about myself. My name is Jacob Ayers. I was born and raised in a small town in Oklahoma. I went to Oklahoma State University where I got a degree in fire protection engineering. And uh, immediately upon graduation, I moved to Houston, Texas, where I jumped into the corporate world of engineering and where I work as an engineer now. And so to learn a little bit about who I am and where I am now, let's kind of rewind a bit. So Jason, like many of your listeners and a lot of people out there, I was kind of born with this blueprint. 
And this blueprint was go to school so you can get a good education so that you can (laughs) go to college and further that education and eventually get a good job. And so my whole life I did that. And the problem is that blueprint only takes you to your mid-20s. So here I was, (laughs) my mid-20s, I had this good job, and I was kind of thinking – Okay, well, what next? You know, uh, you know, I've always had like something next, something to shoot for, something going on. And here I was just uh, in this job. And while I liked it and it was fulfilling at the time, um, I just felt like there was something left out there. And, and so, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate with like that time in their life or something like that in their life. Mm-hmm. And so I found myself looking around, looking for something more. I knew why I liked my job and I liked what I was doing. There was, you know, more hours in the day and there was stuff that I still wanted to do and accomplish and grow with. So at the time I was really involved and interested in personal finance and investing. So I started reading up and looking at how I could grow in those channels. And I started consuming all kinds of material from podcasts, books, online materials, a lot of free stuff, a little bit of paid stuff. And I started looking down the the channels of investing and kind of come to a fork in the road. And on one side, you've got investing in the more traditional sense, investing in retirement accounts, IRAs through stocks, bonds, mutual funds, just kind of general investing in the market, if you will. And on the other fork, you've got investing in real estate. So I kind of explored both of those options and I naturally gravitated towards investing in real estate for several reasons. And it wasn't because I like roofs or drywall or studs or flooring or countertops or anything like that. I don't like that stuff anything any any more than the next person, right? But what I liked about real estate is what it allowed you to do. And that was one of the main things was cash flow. And cash flow is important because it can allow you to either supplement or replace your earned income. And that gives you the power to do what you want. I wanted now like I said, like I liked my day job, I wanted the ability not to have to be there if I didn't want to. I wanted to be able to take off and move across the country or pick up for a month and leave or go on a six-month vatical. You know, I'm a millennial, so, you know, we don't like commitment things. You know, we don't want to own anything. We don't want to be tied down any place, right? So that's what really drew me to real estate investing. So I I educated myself and I started investing in real estate at the age of uh, 24, I believe it was. And oh, wow. yeah, okay. here I am today. Nice. Now you you mentioned you mentioned you know you you, fo- you followed the typical path and you got you know you got the school you know graduated from school got the corporate job. What what was what was the job? What were you doing? You don't have to say ta- you don't have to say the company. If yeah, you don't no problem. Well, I'm but actually what, still doing it today. So let's not badmouth my employer too bad. But uh, <laughs> no, I actually really do like my job, Jason. And I'm a fire protection engineer. It's kind of an itch engineering discipline, if you will. But I work for a large engineering firm that uh, predominantly in the oil and gas sector. Okay. Hmm. So you're the, you're the person that hopefully keeps things from blowing up. Blowing up, burning down exactly. Or or after after an explosion having other things around it not burn down. Yeah, absolutely. You've nailed it exactly, Jason. Got it. Okay. Understood. Yeah, no, that's it. no, it's interesting. The uh now when you when you got started with real estate investing that the very first the very first acquisition that you made was it like a small commercial type of a thing was it residential was it a little condo like how, where where did you what, what was your first purchase what, yeah yeah that's start? a really good question i'd love to talk about it i feel that oftentimes your very first deal is probably not the most impactful but sometimes it's the most important because it's really what gets the ball rolling and that's certainly the case for me so i bought a single family house for 
$25,000. And I know some of your listeners are thinking like, what, that's that's a thing that exists. Yes, in Oklahoma, <laughs> $25,000 houses are a thing. And it wasn't yes. on the low end, it wasn't on the high end. It was just kind of the middle of the road, single family rent house. And what I mean by that is just a normal house like you would imagine. And so I bought that house for $25,000. I went through the traditional financing route by putting 5% down or $5,000. Yep. And uh, I rented it out and I thought, okay, well, this is really, this is how you do it. You just buy a house, you rent it out. And about four months in, my tenants completely trashed the place and moved out. And I <sighs> thought, well, heck, I kind of knew that things like this bit. would- Welcome to the business, sir. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I knew things like this would happen and I anticipated them. I didn't let it get me too down, but I just didn't think it would happen four months in. So I took one on the chin there, but I didn't let it, you know- keep me from stopping or pursuing my, my, uh, goals in real estate. And so I, uh, you know, I fixed the property back up, cleaned it out and re-rented it. Except this time I screened my tenants a little better and learned from my previous mistake. And yeah, I've still got that property. It's still performing well. I've got tenants in it and everything's fine with it. So that was my first property. And while it's not necessarily moving the needle, um, it definitely got the ball rolling for me and it got me started. It was kind of like my aha moment, my proof of concept, like, okay, this is how it works. It really does work. Let's take this same kind of process and do it again. And so the next time I did it, I wanted to do a bigger deal, right? And so I started to get into duplexes and smaller multifamilies and grow from there. And that first deal was really important for me personally. And I find that that's very common amongst real estate investors is just getting started. Yeah, the I my 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 entry into the uh, the real estate investment world. I have a little bit of experience, but not much. But my mine was centered around um, buying my first. I bought my first house that I was living in. I bought my first house when I was when I had just turned twenty two, or it went just before I turned twenty two, and uh, I lived there for three years and bought another house, kept the first one, moved into the second one. Um, and then rented out the first, uh, kept and rented out the first one and then moved into the second one. So, and that's, so, that's the same place where I'm living today. So my, my plan originally was to basically keep doing that every, you know, three, four years, just, you know, move out, move out, rent it, move by the next one, live there for three, four years, move out, rent it by the next one, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, turned out I really like where I'm living right now. So I decided not, decided not to keep doing it. Um, but no, it, it, the entry, the entry point is definitely scary for a lot of people because there's clearly if, as you look around any market, there is so much real estate that's out there, so much of which is owned by investors. But the only thing that ever hits the wire, every th the only thing that ever hits the news wire is the bad news. Oh my God, the la the the monster landlord. Oh my God, the monster tenant. Oh my God, these people destroyed my house. Oh my God, they had terrible credit. I just didn't know. Like there's. The, all you hear about is the is the nasty part of the business, and is that nasty part potentially crippling? Sure, it's it's an inve it's investment. If the if the market if if your money is locked up in the stock market and the market tanks seventy five percent, well, you just got crushed there too. The, you know, e either way, you are investing your money. There's there's potential risk there, um, but for me, the thing that's always appealed to me about the real estate world is. It takes a lot 
for your assets to go to zero in real estate, meaning nuclear accident level type stuff for your, for your property to go to zero. And then even then it doesn't go to zero forever. Whereas, you know, with, with, you know, with, if you're investing in stocks or you're trading stocks or options or whatever it might be, your stuff can go to zero and it can go to zero overnight. It, it, it can happen. Ask Enron, ask, you know, ask anybody that, was into options trading and forgot to look at their account for a 24 hour cycle and they pop in and all of their money is gone. <laughs> it just, <laughs> yeah. it, it happens. It happens. And, and the chance of those coming back in a lot of cases, if a stock perform, if something bad enough happens to a stock where it goes to zero, it will never come back ever. Whereas with real estate, if something happens, God forbid in an area like, a hurricane or an earthquake or something along those lines that just dramatically sh- drops the the real estate prices in the area that sucks but it's yeah, not going to be there it's not going to be there forever cuz people still need places to live um which bring, brings up another interesting thing that I pointed out during the intro uh you li- you live in Houston yeah that's right I how, how in Texas how are things in Houston these days well, you know, we recently had a Hurricane Harvey, and that impacted the community pretty severely. Um, now, I can talk about most both my personal experience and Houston now, but personally, I uh, was fortunate enough to be out of town when the time the hurricane hit, and um, you know, I was stuck out of town for a while, but that was okay. It was a blessing in disguise, and I was relatively unimpacted by the storm. Now, Houston, um, you know, it's a city of six million people, and there were a lot of people who were displaced. A lot of people have lost their homes, vehicles, almost everything. Some people did lose everything. And today, I mean, just one short month after that uh, storm hit us, uh, Houston's already fairly looking back to normal. I mean, there's still a lot of demo going on around the city a lot of people still in flux in terms of housing getting back to work you know kind of re just uh readjusting from the storm but you know from an outside perspective you would come to houston and not really think anything ever happened it's not like a war zone it's not a ghost town business as usual for the most part but i'm sure it'll be a little blip on on the economy radar and uh but Houston's a strong community, and uh, it's in the South, and you know people here are uh, very friendly, willing to help out, lots of volunteering efforts. So I have no doubt that Houston will rebuild just as strong and come back just fine. Okay, that's good. That's good news. Um, yeah, you're the you're the first person that I know in Houston that I've talked to since the hurricane hit. So I've definitely I'm definitely been kind of curious about how things are down there. Yeah, and Out- outside of the news reports, of course. Another thing, the nation really rallied around Houston. It was a, a major storm that hit, and then shortly after, you know, you had Irma, and then shortly after that, you had Marie hit Puerto Rico just recently. But um, it really uh, kind of set the tone for the nation to respond around these these. Uh, uh, catastrophic storms and, uh, you know, really brought the nation together in kind of a time of flux, it almost seemed. So, you know, I like to look at uh, the positives and uh, the silver lining of things, and that's what I take out of it. Nice. Yeah, so let's kind of uh, talk a bit about what we were just mentioning in terms of a lot of people are kind of afraid of jumping in real estate. And Jason, I like to remind myself that education is the best way to hedge against risk, right? There's a lot of people who fear about, you know, oh, what if the landlord does, th- or sorry, what if the tenant, you know, does this, or will I have to be repairing this, taking calls at this hour? And I sh- 
I shared and still do share those concerns. But one of the ways I kind of got over that hurdle was I educated myself. I read a ton. I just read a lot of stuff. Anything I could get my hands on, I was reading about real estate. And it was kind of to the point where I was like, okay, I know what I'm getting myself into. I'm willing to take that that amount of risk. And I jumped into it and right off the bat, kind of got punched in the mouth. Uh, still kept going and I'm still alive. I'm still kicking today. Everything's fine. And you kind of mentioned, you know, real estate can't go to zero. And that's very true. There's some things that you can do to hedge against risk. Obviously, everyone's got insurance. And sure. and that's a very big factor in protecting against, you know, catastrophes. Um, it's not really going to let your property value go to zero because you're going to have an insurance policy on certain things. And mm-hmm. another thing that I, I like about real estate is the tangible asset. I can drive by it. I can go touch it, feel it, paint it, fix it up, knock it down, move it around, change out walls, whatever I want to do to it, I can do it and change its value, change its use. Um, you, know, you can take an apartment and turn it into a, a business office or you can vice versa. You can do all kinds of things to it. It's up to you to decide. Now, if I had a stock of Enron, I really wouldn't know what to do with it because it's not really in my hands. I can't go talk to you know the owner of Enron. I can't voice my opinion and make them do something different. I can't go paint Enron. I can't fix them up, you know, it's just, and then maybe that's my simplistic or engineering mind looking at things. There's people out there who certainly do just fine in that world, but it's not my lane. And I stay in my lane because that's what I like, know, understand. And I just uh, kind of gravitate towards it for that reason. So I'm sure there are people out there, a lot of people in your audience who are thinking or have thought about investing in real estate, but let those kind of uh, scares or or uh, risks come into their mind, and my advice would be just uh, educate yourself and and you know understand those risks and understand how to overcome them and hedge against them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned you mentioned insurance. Uh, something, a strategy that I stumbled on uh, that somebody had suggested to me probably seven or eight years ago. Uh, that I end up actually doing today with the property that I've got. And um, my my mom owned a couple of properties as well before she passed uh, back last year. And uh, we basically did the same thing with her properties, which is we um, – anytime I get a tenant in the house – we, I say the market, the market rent is this. So this is the amount that I'm paying for rent. Do you agree with that? Yes. Okay, great. Here's a deal for you. Um, I'm going to lower that rent by X dollars per month. And in return for that, what I do is I maintain one of those, uh, home warranties on my, on the properties. Yeah, I do it. Right. On my, I do it on my own property as well. But, and this, this strategy only really applies to residential properties. I don't know if there's a similar product available for commercial, um, commercial being, you know, for people that are listening, if you don't, if you don't know the real estate market, commercial property is, you know, your convenience stores, your office buildings, your apartment complexes, they're, they're considered places of commerce. So they're, it's considered commercial real estate versus residential, you know, houses, you know, you know, yeah, right. row houses, single family homes, like the typical stuff, condos. And, uh, for as long as it's a residential property, what I, what I do in my case was I have a home warranty with a company. I won't mention, I won't mention who, but I have a home warranty in place with this company I have for years. And their deal is I pay, a flat rate every year 
somewhere in the somewhere to the tune of five hundred dollars per year mm-hmm. to ma- to maintain a warranty on the property, and then each time anything that's covered, which is darn close to everything except for the roof and the foundation. Um, anytime anything goes wrong anywhere on the property, I have to pay a $75, um, effectively like a co-insurance fee. But what the deal that I make with the tenant is they pay that deductible anytime anything goes wrong in return for discounted rent. I, I discount their rent. Let's just call it a hundred bucks a month. The co the copay is $75. So odds are they can, you know, they can make one call to have something repaired every single month and they're still up. Uh, and then in, if they agree to that, then I put their name on the, in, the policy itself. So I'd say to them rather like, I know you've probably had bad experiences with landlords in the past about not being responsive and not getting people out in time or whatever. Here's the deal. I maintain this policy. They have a network of licensed electricians and tradesmen of all crafts that they work with that are right in this area that'll respond within 24 to 48 hours. And the kicker, you don't even need to wait for me to call them. You're on the policy. You call them directly. You don't even need to talk to me. Like if you if you want to mention to me sometime in the past, it's like, hey, the, we got the water heater fixed because it because there was a problem with the water heater last month. If you want to tell me, great. If you don't want to tell me, I don't care. It got fixed, um, and it it lessens the number of phone calls that I get from them. It reinsures the tenants that hey, this guy's serious about keeping the property up to snuff. Otherwise, he wouldn't have a policy like this in the first place. Oh, and as a kicker. He lets me call them in so I don't have to just sit around and wait for him to get around to it. I don't know how many properties this guy has and how much he's dealing with and so on and so forth. Um, that's been a fantastic, that's been a fantastic thing for me, you know, at the, at the cost of $500 a month that has provided me so much peace of mind and my tenant so much peace of mind that, I mean, that's a strategy that I try to tell everybody that owns residential real estate. Yeah. That's $500 Uh, per year too, not month. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's $500 a year. Exactly. Try, try, trying, try employing your own crew of electricians or, or general handymen to go around and take care of your properties. It's a plus. More than that. Yeah, that's an awesome strategy you've got, Jason. I've actually got similar uh, home warranty pro- home warranty insurance policies on my properties, but I haven't gone as far as uh, putting the residents on there. So, really, something to think about there. And I think you're really onto something here by you're kind of guarding your time. You know, you don't want to have to be the one that's fixing hot water heaters or you know come coming out for a call out for you know a stopped up sink or whatever it is. You've just kind of delegated that to an insurance policy where they have a network of licensed plumbers, electricians, HVAC maintenance folks, all those kinds of people. And yours, yeah, that's just an awesome, all awesome of it- strategy. All of whom can do their thing a hell of a lot better oh, than I can. Definitely. It's like, you know, yeah. you call, call your landlord is like, okay, I'll show up with the plumbing wrench and I'll spend six hours trying to fix the leak under the sink. Or you call the plumber and he's in and out of the house in 10 minutes. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, granted, did he make, did he make you know, the $75 deductible plus whatever he was compensated for for 15 minutes worth of work? It's like, oh my God, is that a lot of money for such a little little amount of time? Yes. But I don't care. And it's like, I don't care. The problem's fixed. 
It's like there was there was a comedian. I remember there was a comedian whose stand up show I listened to back at, back in the late eighties, early nineties, that brought up a point about he had bought a home and over over the first night in his new home, apparently the sewer had backed up into his tub. Oh, it's no. now on a su- on a Sunday. He he calls a plumber and plumber says it's double it's double rate on Sundays. The guy says there's su- there's stuff there's sewer in the tub. Come on over. It's like and the guy goes into the, like the plumber goes into the bathroom. He's in there for two hours making really ugly noises, and comes back out. And he said, "He's like, here's the bill." I looked at him and said, "Is there sewer stuff in the tub?" And he says, "No." I say, "Well, here's your money." <laughs> <laughs> easy yeah, as that. Just, easy as that. Like, is the problem fixed? Yes. Did I have to do it? No. Is it done quick? Yes. Here's your money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No. I think that brings up a bigger philosophy, Jason, is like, I try to not work in my business, but work on my business, right? I don't want to be the one taking calls and leasing. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm not into, you know, construction. I don't like, you know, roofing or countertops or flooring any more than the next person. That's not where I want to spend my time. Where I want to spend my time is trying to grow and expand and invest in the right markets and really grow my business, not work in my business. And I have to guard my time wisely, right? I don't, I can't be taking calls from uh, tenants and going over there at night and, you know, taking house calls and doing all of these labor-intensive tasks, especially when I'm not the most efficient at it, right? So I might as well hire somebody else out that can be on my team uh, or be on call or whatever that looks like and take care of those things for me. So Jason, earlier I would mentioned one of the things that, that had drawn me to real estate investing in the first yep. place was cash flow, right? And this is only one sure. of five things that I think it's important to realize of the benefits of real estate investing. So cash flow is kind of an obvious one, right? You rent out a property, you bring in rental income, you pay your mortgage, your insurance, your interest, your property taxes, all of these things. And the money you're left over with is your cash flow. And that should be a positive number so that you get to put a little bit of money in your pocket every month, right? One would, one would hope. Yeah. <laughs> so the next thing, another fairly obvious one is appreciation. If you buy a $25,000 rent house today, hopefully in 10 years down the line, that $25,000 rent house is worth $32,000, right? So you've gained a little appreciation there. That's another easy one to understand and most people get that. Sure. Now, one thing that I think people forget about is the loan paydown. So while that tenant is in there for those interim 10 years, they're paying down your principal and interest for you, right? They're and that's their exactly yeah. going towards your bottom line. That's money in your pocket. So they're giving you the rent money. You pay your mortgage with it, which is paying down your own debt, and you get that for yourself. That's money you get to keep in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next is taxes. Taxes are more of a complicated thing, but there are there are a lot of tax benefits to real estate investing. And I'm not a CPA, so I won't try to even delve into those. But once you know play that one, they're- Don't play one on the internet. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Uh, very good point. But there are uh, tremendous tax benefits to investing in real estate. Um, something that your listeners could look into is something called depreciation. And it's essentially the IRS allows you to depreciate the asset throughout its life cycle. So the IRS might say your house is going to be worth $0 in 30 years. So every year you get to depreciate a little bit of that value from your house off of your tax return. 
But we all know that, like we mentioned earlier, in 30 years, your house isn't going to be worth $0. Hopefully, it's going to have appreciated. So this is just a way that the IRS gives a tax incentive to real estate investors. So there's the fourth way. And the last way is hedging against inflation. And this is more of a little complex uh, philosophy. But what this essentially means is when you lock in long-term low-interest debt on your property – uh, say a 30-year, you know, fixed rate, you know, 4% kind of mortgage, your principal and interest payment are going to be the same throughout that entire 30 years. So today, your principal and interest payment might be $300. Next month, $300. In five years, $300. In Still 20 $300. years, $300. Now, what do you think $300 is going to get you in 20, 25, 29, 20 years down the road? Probably a lot less than it's getting you today in an inflationary environment, right? But that's a great point. That yeah. buying power still has the same effect for you in 30 years. So that last way is a way to hedge against inflation by locking in long-term low interest fixed rate financing on your properties. And those are the five ways that real estate pays you. So maybe you're not thinking of all those when and when somebody's considering investing in real estate. So I really urge people to really understand the all the benefits that real estate has to offer. That's a great point. Yeah, especially especially that last one, the hedge against inflation, because it's funny. That's that's a benefit. If you if you were calling it one of the benefits of investing in real estate, that's a benefit that everybody who has parents that own a house know about, but we never think about it as a benefit of buying property today. Like when you when you talk to, when you talk to your parents who bought their house in like the late seventies, like yeah, early right. the late seventies, we're like. What what do you what what do you mean you paid nineteen thousand dollars for the house? Yeah, what, right. What, what, do you, what do you what do you mean? What do you mean the be the the house that's overlooking the ocean at the beach? What do you mean it was forty thousand dollars? I I don't understand. What do you mean? I don't understand. You know? Yeah, you must have like, like something crazy, right? No, yeah, it's like it's, it's like who, who did you you know who did you put whose whose head did you put a gun to to get them to sign their house over to you for nothing. They're like, no, that's what houses were selling for. Then it was like car cars were $1,700 and houses were $20,000. It was like, that's, that's what it was. Um, so yeah, no, it's funny. And everybody knows everybody has that example. Anybody that's out there that's listening, like talk to your parents. What did they buy their house for? $5,000, 10, 15, $50,000, gigantic mansion, gigantic stone mansions outside of Washington, DC were selling for 50,000, 50 to $75,000, 30 to 40 years ago. It's insane. Yeah. It's think about insane. the time at the time when they bought that property, maybe their mortgage was, I don't know, let's just say for around number $300. No, that probably seemed like a fairly steep mortgage at the time. But in 2017, you're thinking, well, that doesn't get me very far at all in today's dollars, but it's still whittling away at their mortgage if they have an arm. No, that doesn't cover taxes. Depending on where you live in the country, $300 a month doesn't cover the tax bill, let alone the mortgage. Yeah, like the where where we live where we live, yeah, the three give or take three hundred and fifty bucks a month is a tax bill on a month to month basis where I live. 
So on our property. So yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's definitely not anywhere close to what it used to be. Yeah, right. Sure. So yeah, those five ways are are different ways that you're paid in real estate investing. And not everybody always thinks of those. So, you know, like I said, just make sure that you understand the full benefits of real estate investing. And there are risks out there, right? I'm I'm not trying to play a lopsided uh, you know, role here. There's certainly risk. There's certainly risk you're taking, but it's also why you're uh, paid as a real estate investor for taking those risks. So sure, sure, absolutely. Now, t- tell me what, what's your what's your end game? Like you're you're obviously you you obviously have a job. Um, you're obviously re- investing in real estate on the side. I'm assuming I'm assuming you're to the point now where your real estate is, uh, if not approaching or or you know exceeded your job. What's what's your end game? What are you going for with real estate? Like, do you have do you have a set sort of I'm I want to accomplish this and then either I'm done with my job or I'm done working period or I'm going to liquidate, take the money and move to Costa Rica or are you in it for I'm just going my plan is just simply acquire I'm going to acquire three properties a year from now on forever. And then it, and I'll just keep doing it until I don't want to do it anymore uh, with no real limit to it. Like what, what's, what are you, what's your, what are you shooting for? Yeah. Really good question, Jason. I'm actually really glad you asked that. So let's back up here. And so I do have goals and I want to talk a little bit about goal setting for a minute, because I think it's extremely important in any avenue of life, whether you're investing in real estate or not, whatever you're doing, I think it's very important to have goals and not just, you know, some wishy-washy goals in your head. Like I want to, you know, retire one day or I want to own a boat one day or whatever it is. That, you have never, to have that never works. Clearly yeah. defined written goals. And there's a, there's an acronym called SMART. Um, it's specific, measurable, attainable, um, what is the R? Real? Was it? Re- yeah, relevant. Yeah, real or relevant? I've seen both, and time sensitive, right? And so, if you have a smart goal, um, it's very, in my opinion, it's very important to not only have this smart goal, but write it down. And I personally write my goals down every day, Jason. So when somebody asks me what my goals are, I can rattle them off like that. And, and I think that's important in any avenue of life. So, I mean, if you're just wondering throughout this life without any goals, uh, there's a good quote out there and I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's, if you have no destination, any path will get you there. Right. And so you have to have a goal in this life to get you somewhere. Now, personally, me, I'm a huge dreamer. You know, I told you that when I was in my mid twenties in this corporate job and while it was a very good job, I thought there was more out there and I wanted to be able to save the world and do these crazy things and achieve this massive level of success. So I set these smart goals. And one of my goals in regards to real estate is I want to own 400 units by my 30th birthday, which is February of 2020. So it's coming up in uh, three years, right? And so what that would do is that would more than allow me to be able to quit my job. Obviously, I would have a tremendous amount of cash flow at that point. And so those are one of my real estate goals is to own 400 units by the age of 2020. And beyond that, I haven't quantified anything yet, but I know I won't stop there. Um, I kind of like to like to uh, shoot for kind of round numbers, so I hope to have a thousand units eventually. But I haven't really got to setting that goal yet. I'm still, you know, chipping away at those 400 units. And so, that's so four hundred. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go. Ahead. That's something that I really want to achieve uh, by a certain time. And 
and one of the reasons I, I do this, Jason, it's not because I need all of this cash flow. I'm a pretty simple guy. I, I don't like elaborate things. I don't spend a lot of money on myself. I'm not frugal in, so sen- in some sense, but I'm also not extravagant. But I think that there are just only so many people in this world that are wired for massive levels of success. And I feel like I'm one of those people. And what I want to be able to do is be able to do a lot of good in the world. And you can't do a lot of good in the world if you can't first take care of yourself and, and solve your own so problems, true. right? And so step one is to you know be able to be financially free of my own sense, be able to do what I want, spend my time doing what I'm good at, what I love. And I want to be able to uh, you know do a lot of good in this world. And to me, that looks like uh, in terms of philanthropy, I really have a soft spot in my heart for uh, kids and poverty. Poverty, uh, you know, young people and education. Those are just some of like things I'm passionate about. So I hope to be able to one day be able to uh, give back to organizations like that. And that's what really drives me. I mean, by that time, you know, I'll be more than well taken care of. My family will be more than well taken care of. So I've got to have something beyond that to shoot for because, uh, like I said, I'm a dreamer and I want to have these, you know, crazy massive levels of success. And I've got to have something that drives me, keeps me going every day because real estate investing or anything in this world uh, that causes you to get out of your comfort zone and push the envelope a little bit is hard. And you've got to have something that's keeping you going, keeping you motivated, making you get out of bed that extra hour early every morning and uh, just continuing to chip away at whatever it is you're working towards. Sure. Now, Atticare, go go back to that the that four hundred unit goal. Yeah. How how for, and this is actually as much as much as for me is as it is for the audience. How did you come up with that number? Was that just sort of a pie in the sky figure that you came up with, or did you just based on the properties that you currently had and the cash flow that was coming from them? Did you then just sort of derive okay? This is the this is the number that I want to be coming to me passively monthly in order to achieve that just ba- just by basic arithmetic that adds up to 400 properties like can you walk me through that yeah, process definitely. like so well, this isn't I'm, just I'm some curious in the sky this isn't just like me shouting out random numbers and blindly chasing them there's some rhyme or reason to this madness and so what 400 units means to me is that's 10 million dollars in real estate at $50,000 per unit right so by this time by this kind of scale and magnitude of real estate you're talking apartment com- apartment units by this point right so that's $10 million of real estate. It's kind of like the baseline at $50,000 per unit. And then I've back calculated, you know, what that would take, how many units it is, what that cash flow looks like, how much money I'm going to need to, you know, acquire these properties. And yeah, so that's not necessarily just some pie in the sky number I've just threw out there and chasing. There is some method to the madness there. Okay. Gotcha. All right, gotcha. Yeah, no, that that's interesting because a lot a lot of people wonder about that with regards to really any kind of investing, not just real estate. But you know, it's like, yeah, I'm I'm piling money into this 401k, or I'm piling money into this trading account, or I'm you know putting money into a savings account to build up a down payment for a first res- piece of residential real estate investment or wh- whatever it is like a, their kids 529 plan whatever it is like that it always seems like and for me for me for a while it was true i mean it's not so much anymore but it was the case with me for a while that i just and this kind of goes along this sort of goes side by side with that sort of traditional path that you mentioned that you had gone through 
you know, which was, you know, just go to school, do good in school, go to college, do well in college, get out, get a good job, make decent money, stay there forever, and hope the company doesn't, you know, cook the books and fry everything that you had planned on for the last 30 years of your life. <laughs> right. Like, no, it was like, not that that's ever happened, of course, but, um, yeah, and just kind of keep your fingers crossed and hope that nothing goes wrong and, you know, just keep your head, shut up, keep your head down and stare at your desk and you'll be fine. Um, the kind of goalless investing seemed to be almost sort of a, a bedfellow of that strategy, which is, well, just put money in your 401k. Okay. What's, what's it doing? Well, I doesn't matter. Just put it in there. It'll, it'll grow. Just, just put it in there. Um, okay. Um, well, when should you buy a house? It's like, oh, well, buy a house as soon as you can. Why? Um, well, you know, the value will go up. Why? How much? Well, you, you don't really know, but you know, history says this and you know, well, uh, uh, okay. Um, uh, okay, I guess I guess I'll do that. Uh, th- there doesn't seem to be a lot of structure to it, and, and so many people when they're trying to say that they want to start doing something to amplify their assets, whether it be real estate or stock trading or you know other for- other forms of investment. I just got I just got done uh, interviewing an- another guy who is a, he's an, he's an expert in uh, trading stocks. Like he's, he, and uh, this is actually really funny. His profile is almost identical to you. He's got, he did the college thing, got the job, has a very good paying corporate type job, but also is a stock trader on the sides and does very, very well at that. That's his thing. Whereas with you, real estate is your thing. But it's so interesting, the similarity that I see with this very specific goal setting, which which is something that just doesn't seem to be harped too much on. I mean, the, if, you talk to, if you talk to people in any form of investment, they're just like, just put the money in, just put the money in, just put the money in. To to what end? To what goal? When do you know when to stop? Well, you know you don't stop until you're ready for retirement. Well, may, what if I want to be ready for retirement when I'm 35? Like, the, yeah, well, right. you, know, you know, you don't you don't do like well, you don't do that. It just you know because because today if you if you try to do anything again, getting back to that classic model of you know put your head down, shut up, go to school, do well, take the job, and hope they don't hope they don't screw you over. Like that model kind of goes along the same lines of, well, you don't get to retire until you're 65, period. Don't talk to me if you're thinking about doing something else because it doesn't make sense. And everybody around is going to look at you like you're nuts. It's like, but if you actually take a second to think and use that magnificent brain that we've been blessed with, maybe you find that there's ways to do it a different way, but you have to have, keep your eye on the ball. All right. Yeah, Jason. And that's a good point. Uh, That's one thing that I think a lot of people are doing is just taking blind advice on antiquated methods and things that used to work like retirement. That's something I mentioned earlier that I kind of had like this uh, weird understanding of. And so let's go back to when I entered the corporate world and I was thinking like, what next, right? Well, my options were, okay, work at this company for the next, you know, 40 to 50 years and retire when I'm 65 and just sock away money in my 401k. And I got to thinking like what my life would look like. And, you know, okay, you come up with all these retirement numbers that you need. And I was thinking, okay, so what is my goal? How much money do I need? Do I want to live beyond my money or not live beyond my money? And that's a weird way of saying, do I want to 
die before my money runs out or do I want to <laughs> outlive my money? And it was like a strange concept. Keep in mind, I don't want to die any more than the next person does, but I also didn't want to die broke. So what's the idea there? You know, you save up a million, two million, three million dollars. I don't know what's enough. I don't know what the market's going to look like in 40 or 50 years. Um, and so that whole theory of that kind of retirement just didn't sit well with me. I just didn't understand it. I didn't want to leave that to chance. It's not like the route I wanted to take. So that's kind of another thing that just pushed me towards the real estate investing is, you know, I know what these properties look like. I know what they're doing now. I can project what they're going to do in the future. And I've got that stability now. And that's one of the, just another one of those things that pushed me towards where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, that, that's and especially the the point of sort of no, knowing what your number is and when it when it, you want it to get there because it does it it helps guide you along the way. I mean that that's been that that's been such a huge revelation for me and my wife is that you know we even even with you know the experience that I've had in real estate and the fact that I used to be in financial services and whatnot. And whatnot, even with all of that being said, like I still had a relatively antiquated way of looking at this stuff until fairly recently, a couple, three, four years ago, is when my perspective really started to change. And once my wife and I sat down and said, you know what? We want to be able to maybe not necessarily retire, but we want to be geographically free. We want to be able to do whatever it is that we're doing for a living from wherever we want to be doing it. It doesn't necessarily have to be geographically tied to where we currently are, which is the case for our current jobs. But once we made that decision and said, we want to accomplish this, we want to be able to move here by this time, we were able to say, it's like, oh, Damn, we're not that far from there. Yeah. Like the, to to be able to make that work, we're not actually that far from there. So let's let's get after it. And so we, you know, it's amazing. It turbocharged how quickly we were accumulating money. It turbocharged how quickly we were thinning out the clutter in our house in preparation for being able to do that. Like it's amazing how once you have that clarity what it's able to do to kind of speed things along. I mean, and these were just, I mean, kind of getting back to the concept of small moves in the first place. I mean, none of these things were dramatic moves for us. These were, these were just little things, little tweaks that we changed along the way, but it makes such a dramatic difference over time. It's incredible. The difference that it makes. I mean, the, I mean, the age old cliche that, doesn't directly apply to to real estate, but it sort of does, is the whole concept that people keep talking about with financial investing, which is compounding interest. You know, the, you know, the, it's like, would you, would you rather take, would you rather take a million dollars today or a dollar a day? Yeah, right. Doubles, One of those that, doubles every 30 day, that doubles every 30 days. It's like, well, of course I'll take the million dollars more than a dollar. Who wants a dollar? Well, the other one equates out to $10 million over the same time. I mean, compounding clearly, clearly works, you know, it, and it does your, your concept of your number, uh, number five on the benefits of real estate, which is the hedge against inflation is sort of the real estate equivalent of compound interest. It's like that house that was $19,000 35 years ago is now a quarter of a million dollars. That's 
kind of sort of compound interest. Yeah, that's kind of where not. the power of real estate yeah. really lies, to be honest. Absolutely. Long-term hold. Yeah, long-term buy and hold, which actually gets me to another question. There, There's a lot of different forms of investing in real estate. There's what you're doing, re- residential, commercial, acquisition, and rental. There's also um, renovation and quick turn selling. Yeah, the the evil term, the evil term that people use is flipping, uh, like whatever, you know, whatever, you, whatever it is that you want to call it. What do you have any interest in that side of the business? If not, why? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, really good question. So you're right, Jason. There are a lot of ways to make money in real estate. I mean, there's buy and hold investing, which is, you know, buying a property, ringing it out, holding it over the long term. There's fix and flips, which is a fairly common term these days. It's not very derogatory. That's, it's okay to say that. And, uh, fix and flip means, you know, you're going to buy a property, fix it up and resell it for, uh, you know, an increased price. Uh, there's wholesaling. There's, you know, all kinds of ways to make money in real estate investing. And one of the reasons I haven't chose to do fix and flips, although it's crossed my mind many a times, I have to admit, is because it's going back to that working on my job and not working in my job. I don't want to have to be swinging hammers or hiring people to do that and constantly having to work on fixing up properties and constantly looking for new properties. And it's just, I mean, people definitely make that model work. And I look up to a lot of people that do. There's people who are ultra successful with that model, but it's just not something that really resonated with me um, on the basis of, it was just another job to get started anyways, right? I mean, you could eventually build this business up to where it would work without you. But what I wanted from day one is to buy a rent house, put it to the side and just, you know, get that rent check every month. I didn't want to have to continually look for properties, hire contractors, you know, work with real estate agents, list it, buy it, sell it, you know, all the things that go into flipping a property. And uh, so that's one of the things that kind of drew me to the very niche that I'm in right now. So yeah, very good question. And it's not to say that what I'm doing is the best. It's just what's best for you and going back to those goals, right? And another thing, Jason, that you mentioned is, uh, you know, you and your wife wanted to be geographically independent. You could, you know, do what you wanted to wherever it is. And I really, that resonates with me a lot. You know, we're going back to that millennial thing. I don't like commitment. I want to be able to do what I want to do wherever I want or, you know, however I want to do it. And uh, there's something to say. This has nothing to do with the fact that you're still single. But anyway, moving <laughs> Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> uh, something that I think can't be said enough is, there's something to be said about not having to do something, but still doing it, right? If you don't have to go to work, it makes work more enjoyable. If you don't have to do, uh, you know, if you don't have to go out and do a chore, mow the lawn because you have a lawn person, but you decided to do it anyways, it makes it a little more enjoyable, right? So sure, I'm actually enjoying my, my day job more now because I've got less stress for it to perform. Not that I'm slacking off by any means, but if I don't have to be there, it makes it, it's kind of a different mentality, right? Um, sure, if you absolutely. don't have to live in Houston, Texas, or if you don't have to, you know, do this or whatever it is, it makes it okay to be doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I got a question for you then about uh, the properties that you have now. Like you mentioned about, you know, if you've got, you met, you mentioned the fact, like if you've got a lawn guy in, you know, you get a chance to to do it yourself. It is a little bit more enjoyable. Do you work, do you actively work with a property manager for your properties now, or do you still do some of the stuff with your properties? Only reason I'm asking is because um, the concept of working with a property manager at 
I'll jokingly say my level, haha. Um, but people that have just sort of like one off or a couple, you know, basic residential properties that are generating, you know, a couple three hundred bucks a month in general cash flow, like the thought of working with a property manager is I don't want to say I don't want to say scary because that's not the word, but more I would say off putting. It's like, oh my God, you're gonna take a hundred or two hundred dollars a month to do what, you know, like what do, do you, though, I have to say that that concept is becoming more and more appealing to me, even though it cuts down on cash flow, it eliminates 90% of the work involved in maintaining long-term hold real estate. At least that's my outsider perspective looking in. Like, do you, do you work with a property manager? And if not, like, is that something that's in your near future? Yeah. I think that's a common concern of a lot of people looking to get started in investing in real estate, Jason. And when you're first starting out, if you have just one or two properties, a lot of times it doesn't make sense to have a property manager unless it's just feasibly impossible for you to manage if it's, you know, out of state or whatever. But a lot of times it makes sense for you to, you know, just take those miscellaneous calls because it's not all the time as much work as people, you know, give it such a bad rap for. It's so, and another thing is, you know, it's, especially if you're doing your job as screening tenants. Yeah. Right. Like if you're, if you're, if you're picking, if you're picking the first person that calls off a Craigslist ad, the very first response, then sure that, well, that's problem sort of on you. Um, but if you're doing your job and screening your tenants properly, yeah, that's a different story. Yeah. Right. So, you know, starting out like anybody else, I self-manage my properties, you know, when I had that first tenant move out on me like four months into their lease and leave it trashed. I was going back to that property and, you know, cleaning it up myself, fixing it up, cleaning it, and then getting on, uh, you know, Craigslist and other uh, forms of advertisement and and re-advertising it to get a tenant in there. Now, since I've kind of grown into a hybrid model, a lot of my properties are in both Oklahoma and Texas. And I am from Oklahoma, like I mentioned earlier in the show, and that's where my family is. Well, my dad just so happens to be a general contractor. So he helps me out with a lot of that. But we hire out a lot of stuff. And one of my least favorite things of real estate personally is leasing out. So I try to hire those kind of things out to, to leasing agents, real estate uh, agents, those kind of things. So it's kind of a hybrid model still at this point. I'm still in that like kind of in between phase of not quite self-managing, but I'm personally pretty hands off. Like I'm not ever going in and renovating any properties or doing those kinds of things. So yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And it's something every but he faces a lot of people self-manage forever, but I think that that can hold you up from working on your business versus working in your business. Right. So that's what I'm trying to remove myself from at this point. Got it. Yeah, no, that's, no, that's a great point. Um, so with, with that, I mean, tell me, tell me where do you think for people that are listening, where should they start? If like, if they're looking to get involved in investment real estate, what, what's the, What's step one? What's step two? Like, where should like where should they start? Should it be starting to gather up a down payment? Is that step one, and then worry about the other stuff later, or is it more the well? Why the hell do I want to do this in the first place? Let's focus. Let's focus on that. Like, what 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 do you what would you say is step one for people that are yeah? Okay, so step one and step two. We're gonna step one is 
educate yourself. And while you're educating yourself, be saving up for that down payment. And this this could take, you know, six months a year. It could take several years, just depending on where you're at in, in your life personally. But step one, educate yourself. And that looks like, I mean, there's a lot of free stuff out there, Jason. Podcasts like you and I are on. I mean, pick up a real estate investing podcast, buy books, buy books off of Amazon. They're like $10 a pop. And I guarantee you can't go wrong buying a $10 book. You just can't. I think that's my philosophy. If if you find a book you like and it's under like a reasonable amount of money, say $50, just buy it because I'm sure no matter what, you're going to get that value out of that book. So read a ton of information. There's all kinds. I mean, we're in a internet age these days. There's an enormous amount of information that's almost in, unimaginable on the internet. Free. It's your disposal. It's your fingertips anytime you want it. Just consume and educate yourself to a bare minimum. You don't have to go overboard. You don't have to go to, you know, get a master's in real estate investing or anything like that. But, you know, sure. you know, at least know what you're getting yourself into. And while you're doing that, be saving up for a down payment. And the actionable piece of advice I have here is to buy a property that you're going to both live in and rent out. And that might be a duplex. It might be a single family house where you're renting out some rooms to your friends. It might be a triplex, which is three units or a fourplex, which is four units. Any of those properties, you can qualify for a low down payment as low as 3% down. And so you could buy a $100,000 property for $3,000 down and some closing costs. So $5,000, you could be in a $100,000 property and you could have, say, a duplex for that prop for that amount of money or even a fourplex in some markets. Live in one unit, rent the others out, ideally live for rent free and make a little money and you're learning it as the as you go and you'll be self-managing that property, learning the ropes, learning what you like, what you don't like, and it'll be a proof of concept for you. And it will in greatly increase your financial position for the next property. And that's a great point too, especially for if you're managing, if you're just getting into it and you're managing your own property, it makes it a lot easier to address the fried light switch or the clogged up toilet when it's upstairs. Yeah, right. Or when it's when it's, you know, 10 paces outside your front door when it's literally right next door, it makes it a lot easier to take those calls. A, because you don't want the toilet overflow to run into your house, so it gives you a little bit of extra motivation. But B, it helps that it's right there. It's like, you know, someone rather than taking an enormous amount of phone calls, you know, you you take one phone call. It's like, hey, it's Jim. Um, the toilet's overflowing. Okay, be right over. And it's and the problem's fixed, rather than having to run around town or drive, you know, forty five minutes to go find, you know, to get to go get yeah, there. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, no, that's a great. And point. where else can you pick who your neighbor is going to be? I mean, you have direct say oh, so sure. over who your neighbor is going to be. So nowhere else do I know of where that's possible. I mean, you can pick that's to be somebody's yeah. neighbor, but you can't pick who moves in next door to you anywhere else. So that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's just, there's an enormous amount of uh, reasons why investing in a low down payment, small multifamily properties, your first property is a great investment vehicle. And yeah, it's just a, it's a huge uh, investment vehicle that I'm a proponent of. And I preach to everyone I know who is looking to get started investing in real estate. Nice. All right. Yeah. I think that's actually, uh, I think that's a great place for us to wrap up. Um, it's funny. There's a question that I like to ask all of the guests on this show that you just may have just inadvertently answered, um, <laughs> okay. on your own without, without being prompted, which is, um, 
because of the 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 concept of my show being trying to find very simple small things that can make a dramatic impact over time. Uh, a question that I like to ask everybody, and this can be subject matter specific about what you and I have been talking about, or it could be something completely off the wall. So that being said, what purchase have you made in recent memory of a hundred dollars or less that has most dramatically impacted your life? Now it sound a couple minutes ago, it sounds like you've, almost already answered that question, which is buy a book. Um, any book wounds, I buy a book, any book will do. Um, anything is worth is like any book is worth a hundred dollars or, or more. So, but do you, do you have a specific example of something that's impacted you that you spent less than a hundred dollars on, uh, that you could, that you could share with us? Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really good question, Jason. And, uh, what I'm going to have to go down to is, uh, does it save you time? And, you know, we mentioned I'm a big proponent of books, but it's a little vague. So I'll try to give you a little something more actionable. And sure. uh, this is very specific. So I'm not expecting your audience to know, but I purchased a spreadsheet from a real estate investor and thinking, okay, well, it's just a spreadsheet. And it was $99. So at the top end of your um, range there. I bought a $99 spreadsheet from a, another real estate investor, and this is uh, Michael Blanc. He's got a real estate investing uh, coaching program, and he built this tool to help you analyze apartment properties. And what this tool does for me is it speeds up my process of analyzing deals, thus saving me time. And while I'm proficient at Excel, this thing was just a monster of a tool, and I couldn't have built it in six months if I tried. So why not spend the $100, save me a lot of time, it's an educational product in my opinion, and it helps me grow my business. So not expecting your audience to go out there and buy it unless they're actively trying to buy real estate, but if so, it's an sure. awesome tool, and the reason why is it just saves me time. At the end of the day, it's uh, something I couldn't do. It's kind of like that plumber. Um, you know, Maybe I could do it eventually, and if I had the right tools and a certain amount of time, but I couldn't do it as efficiently, and so I'm going to pay somebody else to build that thing for me. Yeah, it'll cost you more than it'll cost you more than a hundred bucks in time and effort and learning to be able to put it together to yourself. So the hell with it. Just here's the hundred bucks. Give me my absolutely. Yeah, that's, sure. That's no, that's that's a great. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, out of curiosity, like that's that particular spreadsheet. Is it Excel? Yeah, is it's it just Microsoft Google spreadsheet. He gives it, it to you unlocked. Like you okay. can see the formulas. You can see everything. Like you know, so I mean, there's nothing proprietary about it. Uh, it's just you know, he built it. Nicely it's, done. It was one of the guys you know I looked up to and respected and followed, and I knew that um, you know he was where I wanted to be, and it's a tool that he uses. And I looked into it and decided to purchase it. And uh, it's helped me buy real estate since then. So it's already, I mean, I couldn't even, you know, calculate the return on money I've got from that thing. So. Okay. No, that's great. All right. That sounds good. Um, is there anything, uh, is there anything else you want to share with the audience on this point before we go ahead and wrap up? I'll get it. I'll get into where they can find you. Yeah, sure. Well, Jason, I'm, I just want to reiterate to your audience. If you're thinking about investing in real estate, Educate yourself a little bit. Jump in. It's certainly something that you can achieve vast amounts of wealth and financial freedom with. And it's just a phenomenal investment vehicle. And I urge you to educate yourself and take action. And it's not as scary as it seems. And I'm telling you, you can do it. You can be successful as a real estate investor. 
All right, man. Um, if the uh, and you happen to have a podcast as yeah, well, yeah, I do because clearly I like uh, talking about real estate investing. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So t- tell people tell people the name of your show and where yeah, they can find it. I host it the real estate investing other, other podcast. Find you. Yeah, I host a real estate investing podcast called The Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom. You can find it on all the uh, podcast channels, iTunes, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. Anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find the show. And it's called The Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom. Um, I have a guest interview every week, and then there's another episode kind of like your format, Jason, where it's just me. So very similar uh, formats, and it's something I think really works well for the audience. You get a little best, best of both worlds. And uh, yep. if you have any questions or want to continue talking about real estate or have any you know questions or concerns or you know want to know where to find something or how to do something, uh, reach out to me. You can contact me at www.jacobayers.com forward slash contact. There's some fields there. Just give me your contact information. Send me a message, and I'll certainly reply to you because I just want to help people, and I want to talk real estate with you and, and help you uh, achieve your goals. So. All right, that's great. And do, can they find you on any of the social media? Yeah, very good uh, avenues as well. I or? have a Facebook page called "The Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom," where uh, I put my podcast and other blogs and articles. So look me up there, and I'm very reactive on there as well. So uh, go over there, connect with me there, or on my website. Those are the two places to find me. That sounds great, Jacob. I really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for coming on the Jason, show. Jason, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, everybody, this is Jason again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Small Moves Podcast, and thank you for bearing with me on this new format where we're listening to the show now twice weekly. Uh, I had a great conversation with Jacob, as you can hear uh, just before this. I really hope that you guys got something out of it, too. He's really got a nice perspective on things. When you have a moment before you take off, if you could go ahead and follow me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Jason Hertzberger, just simply at Jason Hertzberger. If you have any problems with the spelling, go to smallmoves.co. You can find it there. Not the easiest name in the world. I fully understand. Anyway, on top of that, also, we have our first sponsor of the series of Small Moves podcast so far. This episode was brought to you by Audible. Audible is the world's leading source of audio entertainment, and I have been a subscriber of Audible since 2011 and i go through roughly 100 to probably 150 books a year through audible i'm an absolute junkie uh, for these things i go through several books per week in audio format outside of the podcast that i listen to as well Um, i'm just a big fan of audible and right now audible is offering a free trial for new members Uh, You can get that through my link to Audible at smallmoves.co forward slash audiobooks. You can download a free book that you can listen to at no cost to you for the first 30 days. So go to that website, smallmoves.co forward slash audiobooks to subscribe to Audible and get your free trial there. Thank you again very much for listening to this episode of the Small Moves Podcast. I really enjoyed this chat with Jacob. And go ahead and listen to his podcast as well. The link is on the show notes. We mentioned it during the show, and the link is on the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and I will talk to you next Tuesday. Have a great weekend. You've got this.